Tell me, you don't really believe all the stories swirling around you, do you? Like the stories of our history, the stories of what's really happening in the world, or the stories inside your head. Well, don't, because a story is a powerful thing. You need to know how stories actually alter your brain. Learn how to recognize false stories and develop the skills to create and live the stories of the life and the world that you want to create. And that's what we're talking about today. Hi, I'm Carrie Altum, and with decades of experience as a leader, activist, and entrepreneur, I've learned a lot about how our fears hold us down and how radical love always lights the way. As a mentor and coach, I've helped hundreds of leaders get centered in their values and align their lives so they can serve their powerful purpose and rise into a brighter future. I'm offering this podcast to show you how you can have impact and income without sacrificing your integrity. If you're ready to explore challenging ideas, adopt new strategies, and have some fun along the way, you're in the right place. This is Rise and Shine. cannot even recount all the ways that stories have shaped me inside my head, in my relationships, and in the way I do my work in the world. You know, we know in our gut when we're hearing a good story, and research is starting to explain why. Stories are told in the body. It doesn't seem that way, We tend to think of stories as emerging from our consciousness, as something we share with each other, outside of ourselves, in words, in writing, or on screen, but never inside our bodies. But the truth is, we really do feel, and we are rewired by story. Experiencing a story alters our neurochemical processes. They create thoughts, which can become beliefs, which fuel our habits, and end up determining our outcomes in life. I know that seems like a lot for something as simple and pervasive as story, but I think you'll agree after this interview. Hey, everybody. We're doing something different today. I wanted to talk about the science of story and, well, frankly, I'm a geek enough about science and I nerd out about this stuff all the time, so I figured why not just have Eileen interview me. Eileen is my Rise and Shine podcasting partner in crime and a part of my core team at Rise Media Group. We're also both moms of science nerd boys, so there's that. 
Um, Eileen, welcome to the front end of the podcast. Hi, Carrie. This is a whole new experience. I put <laughs> earrings on. I'm not really sure why, because <laughs> no one can see me, but got me in the mood. She put her earrings on for you guys. <laughs> it's a rare occurrence. So, Carrie, what yes. this whole season is about story. What is with your obsession with story? Why is it so important to you? Um, well, okay. So, yes, I do completely nerd out about story. I just think that um, it's one of those things that's so all pervasive in our lives that we often don't even see that it's there. Um, but we know from from history that stories are a powerful force in shaping human behavior. As we've talked about in the last podcast, um, it's episode one of season two, where I interviewed historian Dr. Donna Sinclair. We talked about how our beliefs about ourselves in the present are shaped from the stories that we choose to highlight from our history. And ironically, we have not even analyzed carefully enough, I think, how much the function of story has actually created that history. Because throughout human history, our language and our stories and our thoughts have all co-evolved. We can't think without words. And we don't believe in anything without story. We don't have personal identity or relationships or culture without story. Okay, so that's the history of story and the how story has shaped our history. But what about the science? Let's get to the good stuff. Okay, yeah. So I do love this stuff. Modern science thanks to functional MRIs and all sorts of other really sensitive scientific equipment that can measure these cool things, um, modern, modern science has come to understand that our words work as like a sort of code, um, like computer coding of our live-wired brains. And story is a form of coding instruction. The better we understand how stories unfold in our bodies, the more equipped we are to thrive in this story-rich modern world that we live in. You know, scientists and biochemists and so on, they're revealing to us how our bodies respond to story in ways that are totally different from other kinds of information. So you can be given information in the form of like a list or charts and graphs, and a certain part of your brain will light up. But only bits of that information is remembered. And there's not a lot of meaning assigned to it. And also your emotions usually are not engaged when you learn that way. But when that same information is presented in the form of a story, it's amazing what happens. Your brain just lights up. Hmm. Like what? I know when I look at a chart, it means absolutely nothing, like beyond <laughs> anything. So tell me what a good story does. Okay, so a good story actually creates a level of trust that when we hear it, our bodies release oxytocin. And you know what that is, right? I do. Okay, yeah, that's that hormone that we women know all about because at least those of us who've had babies, our bodies get flooded with oxytocin when we have a new baby. Um, and we think of it as like the bonding hormone. 
But it's a hormone that also allows us to perceive and create connections with others. Also, <laughs> a good story, one that holds our attention, it has the effect of what scientists call transporting us, meaning that our bodies begin to respond as if we're actually physically in the story. Mm, the horror movie where you jump when somebody <laughs> runs in the door and that terrible thing is waiting for them. Exactly. <laughs> but get this, stories aren't just a way that we learn and connect and develop cultural norms. Stories are also a tool of control. Stories are so powerful that they can be used for evil, but they can also be used for good. I mean, think about it. Linguists and anthropologists have studied how human beings, uh, from the very beginning when we were back in human tribes, in order for things to work well, there needed to be some norms, like why food is prepared a certain way, or how children should be raised, or when to move to different fishing grounds, and so on. Well, early societies developed oral stories and storytelling traditions that guided their behaviors. So stories of disapproving gods or spirits of the fish or whatever, these stories kind of unified the tribal behavior. These old tribal stories taught us how to navigate the world. And, you know, a more modern version of that would be the fairy tale. Like Hansel and Gretel, stay out of the woods. Um, who else? Snow White. Mm -hmm. oh, she's kind of stay out of the woods. Yeah. I mean, everybody stay out of the woods and don't talk to scary old ladies. That's true. That was sort of the theme of fairy tales. But actually, those are perfect examples of how story was used to keep us safe by triggering our natural negativity bias. That's the hardwired human tendency to focus on the bad and the threatening and the dangerous things in life. It activates our fight and flight, or fight or flight, <laughs> that function of our lizard brains. It specifically activates fear and despair, and it keeps us from doing dangerous things. Okay, so where are we now with story? How does story affect us in the here and now? Okay, so here we are in our modern world, and we've moved from an oral society of spoken word only to a literate society of written words, and now to an information technology society where stories are shared in spoken word and written word and images and sound. I mean, modern technology's conveyance of story to us is really powerful stuff. We can be profoundly manipulated to believe the total BS, <laughs> the total BS. Um, but we believe it because the storytelling is so powerful. You know, some examples of this are how people who follow channels online like social media and unregulated website channels, how they totally believe the stories. They buy into these stories. And it fuels a sort of paranoia in which people don't believe science or literal published peer-reviewed facts. It can even bleed into conspiracy theory. So the better we understand how stories 
unfold in our bodies, the more equipped we are to thrive in the story-rich modern world. I think that's so true. We're all, no matter which side of the divide you're on, which it's a shame we're divided, really, I think we're all struggling with the stories that we take in every day. And I find it incredibly ironic that this is where we are at. I think in a hundred years, when people look back, they're going to ask how we all fell for it. I think that having science-based, fact-based information, I really hope it, it opens people's eyes and it helps them realize that it's appropriate to question the story and the information, the manipulation behind the story and how that plays into really our entire worlds. I agree. I agree. You know, right. So that's why it's so important that we understand the science of story. We don't need to understand the science of storytelling to tell a story, But when we do understand the science of story and put it in the context of the storytelling instincts from throughout human history and how stories have shaped our beliefs and our behaviors and even how we function as societies, then we can be intentional about this. We can put it in context and more clearly understand it and know what to do with it. I think we need to do three things here. I mean, this is what I hope people take away from this. Number one is that we recognize story for what it is. We need to become adept at recognizing what is a story and how it is manipulating us, how it has worked to shape the world that we live in and that it is shaping our thoughts every day. It's really really a powerful force in our world. So we need to be able to recognize it and all the ways that it is always working in us and around us all the time. Just to be able to see it and to name it, to know what it is, that is a really good start. And then number two is to realize how story works on us physically. You know, there is the pure science stuff, the way that we are literally physically altered by story, our nervous system, our endocrine system, the actual wiring of our brain through the code of language. And as a result, how story truly changes us. So we are actually a different person after experiencing a powerful story than we were before that story. You know, it's really important that we know this so we can be intentional about the stories we allow into our lives. And then finally, number three is we need to develop a more conscious awareness of the power of story so we can seize control of our stories and use that power for good. So what does that really look like? I mean, at the personal level, we can go about editing out the harmful stories and creating better narratives for ourselves. I mean, not to mention 
the power that we can seize in our own lives, inside our own heads, when we learn how to use story to develop and live the narrative of who we most want to be, we really can adopt new narratives. And then, of course, we have to do the work of living into those new narratives. But it can be done. We can shape our own stories. And you know what? When you do, it will change you. It will change your relationships, and it'll change your life. Specifically, though, how would you do that? Oh, okay. So, well, there are many ways um, that we can change our own internal narratives. Obviously, traditional therapy is a super helpful way to interrogate the really hurtful and painful stories. It's the answer for many situations. But... There is also a lot we can do outside of therapy. As a teacher and coach, I offer mindfulness techniques. And these really help us develop an awareness that a story is running through our heads. To know that when something unproductive or even hurtful is taking a hold of us. And then we can use exercises, journaling techniques, you know, sometimes affirmations are good. There are so many practices available to us. Really, I think the starting point, the best starting point is a simple mindfulness technique. It's just mindful breathing with present moment affirmations. It's a great way to explore this. And actually, I have a free exercise that you can get by going to our website, theriseway.com. It's called These Three Things, and it's just a super simple practice that you can do in like three minutes. And I just, I think it's great if people develop a habit of doing it at least once a day, a couple times a day, you really start to develop a more fine-tuned awareness of the stories that are running in your head. Okay, so I have to throw, throw the negative in here a little bit. I'm kind of skeptical about all the woo-woo, you know that. And so so what you're saying kind of makes me wary because we can't forget negative aspects of our lives because they make us who we are. And there's just this tendency for aggressive positivity out there. And it, it drives me crazy because you can't appreciate the ups when you haven't experienced the downs and learned from those moments. That's right. That's true. You know, there is a fair amount of toxic positivity out there. I grant you. You know, there's this pressure to say only positive things, to only see the positive, to only allow good things in our lives. But we really are more complex than that. We are yin and yang. We are our bad experiences. And we can learn from those. So you're right. Life has its ups and downs, and our fears actually serve us in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'm not to let them control us, but we have to learn from them. Just like Wilma from season one of your episode, <laughs> or, you know, make friends with your fears episode in season one. That's right. Yeah, actually, Wilma, for those who haven't heard that episode yet, Wilma is the little friend inside my head. I gave her a name. And I named her Wilma because she represents sort of my primitive brain. And those of you who are close in age to us will know the Flintstones. And Wilma it was a um, like cave woman from this cartoon show. But um, 
Yeah, so Wilma represents the fears that, for instance, I'll be eaten by a bear if I stray from my hut, or that I'll be banished from the tribe if I stand out in some extreme way, or that I could be written out of the story. But sometimes Wilma's right. I shouldn't put my hand in the fire, or I shouldn't wander near the cliff's edge. And actually, Wilma sometimes speaks to me through my instincts, like when the hair on my arms stands up when I meet a creepy person, or when my stomach turns at the thought of making a big commitment. So yeah, you're right. She should not be edited out of my narrative. She has a place in the story. We learned a lot today. I love that they're actually investigating the science behind this. I mean, I think we instinctually knew, but here it is written out. I mean, there's charts you can look at. <laughs> and forget. <laughs> and forget. That's, yeah, I mean, in one ear, right? So what's your biggest takeaway today? So I'd say that the bottom line is that the amazing work of scientists are showing us just how story works in our brains and therefore in our lives and therefore in our world and we can use these insights um, we can be intentional about integrating our old stories editing out the bad stories that don't serve us and creating the new stories that help us to build the life and the world that we want to live in Thanks for talking to me today, Carrie. Well, thank you, Eileen. This was really fun. I think we should do this again. We need jokes next time. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'll let you be in charge of the jokes. Okay. To learn more about the science of stories, how stories rewire our brains, and how you can use the power of stories to get what you want out of life, see our podcast notes. And go to the RiseWay website at theriseway.com for my favorite mindfulness exercise. It will help you develop an awareness of the stories that are running in your brain and adopt new story habits mindfully. Finally, join us in the Rise and Shine podcast Facebook group, where we have conversations about all the good stuff on the show, We would love to hear what you think. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Rise and Shine. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, rate and review, and share the love. Tell your friends about Rise and Shine so we can all grow our integrity-centered lives and leadership together and on purpose. You got so proudly wear your crown Cause you're the one